Howdy, and welcome to the Ben of Eyes podcast. It has been a little while, and thank you all for sticking in and waiting for another episode. Um, we recorded this first, this episode quite a little while ago, and after a series of failed attempts at the actual recording, I ended up kind of falling off a little bit, and so here we are, back with the, the person who kind of started that series um, this is Mr. Mauro Hernandez and me and Mauro, um, have known each other for, I guess, since 2012 or so, um, ish, right about, um, maybe even a little bit sooner than that. He was a teacher, a debate teacher in my high school for Medi-Cal Chelsea High School and didn't really know Mauro very much. I got to hang out a little bit. They invited me out to different speaking events and so I... I think I was there more for the food than anything else, but I enjoyed the experience of being there with the guys and um, hanging out with my friends, Ray, Gabriel, and and Josh and Angel. Um, So I've known him since then and and have kind of stayed in contact with him for the most part um, back and forth over the last couple of years through gaming and all sorts of other, I guess, just normal interactions, I guess. Um, So Mauro, thank you for, for joining us today. No, no, thank you uh, for inviting me back after uh, the disastrous conclusion to our previous attempt at this. But uh, no, 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 I'm glad to be here. And it was so disappointing that it was it didn't end up working out because that was probably my favorite podcast. Um, it was just it it taught me a lot. Um, it just showed me a lot of who you are. And and before that time, I didn't really know who Mauro was. Um, I had a face, and so, I mean, and the few interactions, I knew that you were smart, that you were this funny guy, um, and then that's, I, I feel like it was very, I don't want to say superficial necessarily, but I mean, kind of, um, I just didn't know you as well as I, as I did, after, or as I do now after, after that first meeting, so I, I, it was definitely beneficial, and I, and I wish that it would have recorded, but then here we are now, right, we get to, get to retry. Yeah, take two, take two. Take two. So I want to start off by kind of coming back to uh, where you started and how you ended up being at a Calchelsa, um, where you're from, how you grew up, all those all those good things. Um, so how did you get yeah. started at Calchelsa? So um, my family is, is a migrant family. My mother and father are from Mexico and some of my uh, brothers and sisters were born in Mexico and um, they would travel uh, between uh, Texas and uh, Washington and then some other like Midwestern state, depending on, you know, what work was available, Iowa, Nebraska. And so um, I was born in Washington state, but uh, around the age of five, uh, we permanently settled in South Texas, uh, right outside of Ed Couch. Uh, and so I've always been, uh, you know, I've been f- very familiar with the Delta area and uh, went to elementary and through junior high, high school. Um, and then after college, I was offered an opportunity uh, to take over for um Jack Hustle because he was moving up and Jack Hustle was my old debate coach. I did debate for at Calchasa High School and uh, he wanted me to uh, kind of take over 
as the debate coach. And then I also uh, got his position as a public speaking teacher, a communications teacher. And so um, I'm very familiar with Ed Calchelsa being uh, a resident and then, you know, also uh, employed in the area. And, uh, but that's, yeah, that's basically how, how I got there and, and, you know, how so I got here. I have a, I have a quick question not to cut you off, but, um, why, why did your family end up choosing the Delta area? If you're in Washington state born and at five years old, what, what caused the move and why so, down there? So, um, I think it was more of, well, it's probably two things. One, uh, you know, in general, I think uh, Mexicans or people of, of of Hispanic culture like coastal, I mean, people in general like coastal areas, but uh, we like to settle in the places that are more traditionally Mexican, you know, I mean, Texas, California, right uh the southern states previously part of mexico and so um i think just in general that's why you find a lot of hispanics along the border uh and then secondly i think it was more of a extended family thing i think my uncles had already purchased land here in south texas and so you know my mom and dad uh decided to purchase land here as well so that um you know they the extended family could basically have like a, a home base if you will now not all of my uncles some of them did stay up there in uh, washington they already had their houses or they elected to buy houses up there and so i would say uh, for a while the family was kind of like split between the people who lived and stayed in Washington and the people who would migrate from Texas to Washington and back and forth. Why did they end up staying over there? Um, I think because, you know, there's more adventurous people, maybe more metropolitan, more cosmopolitan. And so they might've just liked the idea of, of not living basically, uh, you know, four miles from Mexico. Right. Like maybe they I've never really spoken much about that to my uncles. Obviously, I was I was born late in my mother's uh, life span, I would say. I think she, she? Was, I want to say she was like 36 to 37 years old. OK. Um, which at the time was yeah. like, I mean, nowadays you hear a lot of like miracle babies being born. You know, with two women past 40, maybe even. Mm -hmm. I know my sister was pretty close to 40 when she had her last child. Um, and so uh, at that point in time, it was like, whoa, like that's really young. So like in comparison to some of my cousins, I'm very young. Um, you know, I have some cousins who are 60. <laughs> Damn. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My oldest sister is 54. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah. There's the big difference. Growing up uh, with your, I mean, do, do you, did you interact with a lot with your siblings much? How many siblings do you have? I guess is also another. I had six, I had three brothers and three sisters. So altogether, there were seven of us. 
And uh, to be honest with you, not really. You're 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 kind of correct on that assumption that I was much younger than my next closest brother. So by the time I'm like what five or six, and like understanding, like he's already like close to being a teenager, if not like pretty much thirteen, right? So yeah, what thirteen year old is gonna want to hang out with a five year old? <laughs> Um, or whatever that difference was, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't really like hang out with them too much. I was uh, the the mascot of the family more than I was like recognized as a brother and sister or brother, because um, you know I was just a little kid. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so then, do did your Did your siblings also move with you at the same time? To, to did like the entire family get up and go? Yeah. So some of my my brothers and sisters, uh, like they went to high school in Washington. I left the system around fifth grade, and uh, but no, some of them, you know, enrolled um, in high school up there, and then they only came down to finish high school here at Calchas. I think my sister, Janie, the oldest one, uh, she did her senior year here at Ed Couch or at Ed Couch and then that was it. All right. Like uh that's how like I said, that's how old she was by the time we permanently settled down here. Um so you say permanently settled, but you guys were a migrant family. Were you guys yeah moving still from like like living in a couch also as home base, but then would travel up back to Washington to go work or where, wherever else it was that you were going to go work? Yeah, I think I think when you're a migrant, you have kind of the idea of home, right? Like your home is mobile, <laughs> right? Like you move a lot and you you migrate, and but you always have something that you you feel like you're returning to. So, for instance, I always felt like we would go to Washington and then come back after a while as opposed to the other way around, where it's like, oh, now we have to go to Texas for a while and then we'll come back. I think, you know, that attitude separates probably me and uh, my cousins, right? Because my cousins would feel the exact opposite. They'd be like, oh, we have to go to Texas for a little while, but then we'll be back in Washington soon enough. which means that the time you spend in other places, I mean, it's cool and all, especially as a kid, you know. Um, I used to like going to uh, Nebraska a lot. Uh, we lived in a in a place called Clay Center, and it was an, it was like a, a little neighborhood. And uh, but I just remember that there was like a pool, and I could go like to the public pool, and I think it was maybe fifty cents, and just. You know, that's something that I wasn't, you know, I couldn't do here at at Ed Cal Chelsea because we lived outside the city limits. So we were very far away from the public pool, whereas in there I was super close. So just little things like that, you know, as a kid, you see as a vacation, but then you eventually have to come back home. How does it work to like, is there housing units that you can rent as a migrant or how, how does that entire process work when you end up moving to a place and it's, or are you signing a lease for a month to month or, you know, a six month lease or however long you end, you end up 
planning on staying there. Is there assistance or? Usually, usually your housing is tied to your employer. So your employer might have uh, land, like houses on particular land next to the fields you all work. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, when the season is open, they go and you rent the houses from them or they set you up there. And, and um, you know, like I said, I was a little kid, so I don't quite know. But I, when we were in Washington... We would, I remember a few years we would move around, but it was like three or four years in one house and then maybe three or four years in another house and then three or four years in another house. But we would come back to Texas, go back to Washington and return to the same house with the exception of the few times where we would, you know, go to a different house. Uh, But those houses I knew were they were all like the same. They were all together. Me and my cousins all lived at them. And then they all worked in the same fields for the same company. So I'm assuming that they were like basically owned by the company. Do you have and, any relation with the company now? Or do you know, I can bleep it out. So the, do you know the company now? Uh, yeah, that company is a uh, green giant. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Green, so we worked for Green Giant kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, the, you know, I, I, I guess I don't know how to describe the relationship, but you work for a farmer and then that farmer sells to uh, a company like Green Giant. And uh, depending on the relationship they have or the partnership they have, they might be like exclusive suppliers or they might be like, uh, you know, he kind of sells his merchandise on like an open market or to different people. But I think our particular uh, setup was basically exclusive to, to Green Giant. So we worked for a farmer who worked for Green Giant. I don't, I know that my dad and my mom make reference to El Boy <laughs> uh, as the, I, I don't even know what you would call him, the foreman, I oh. guess, that, you know, they recognized as the boss. But who knows if he was actually the owner of the company or just, like I said, a foreman supervisor that oversaw their particular uh, group or cluster of, of migrant farm workers. What a life. I mean, I've I've only picked, I think, once or twice, and I went with Angel because that's what his, his dad does. And just a few times I went out there and did it and got to experience picking. I think it was more of an adventure for me. Like it it was like, wow, this is fun. This is kind of cool. But I think everyone else there was very much so like these kids. Um, We we were enjoying it versus they were like, this is, this is our livelihood. Um, Did you ever, just hate it or did, were, were you just like, were you conscious enough or I guess um, aware enough to understand like, Oh man, like this is, this is the life that we have because of X, Y, Z, or is it just like, this is what we do. So it, it, I admittedly didn't do much field work for two reasons. One, like I said, we were very young. So I was very young. Um, And then we kind of stopped doing, uh, eventually what occurred is um, 
my old my brothers, like I said, my sister was was much older and so are the rest of my brothers. Eventually they go and they don't want to be field workers for a long, long time. So they get jobs and they go and uh start entering school and stuff like that. And so um by the time I probably get old enough to start doing like heavy duty field work, we stopped. Like I said, fifth grade is when we stopped going to Washington um, for me. Yeah. And secondly, I am I am like the black sheep of the family, especially when it comes for things like sensitivity. Like I have I had an allergy. I had like a reaction to the dirt in the field. I am allergic to some uh, of the stuff that used to we used to. Uh, pick right for instance i am actually very allergic to sorghum which is usually found in uh, chicken feed uh, but uh, we had an emergency one time where i was riding in a car uh, my brother's car and they had just come back from a sorghum field and by the time i got home i was like asphyxiating because it makes my skin swell including uh, my esophagus and you know God damn. Yeah, so that was like a very vivid memory in my in my childhood. But so I didn't really do a lot of the picking. But it's it's funny you say that because uh it, there's this thing with migrant field workers and uh, you know, I guess later on we'll talk a little bit about education why it's important to me. Uh, but migrant farm workers especially and their families they tend to stay in that cycle, right? So a lot of farm workers, it's easy money. It doesn't require a lot of training. You can make a lot of money real quick, and then you really don't have anything else to do, so you can kind of just relax uh, for the rest of the year, right? Now, you're hauling ass, but, you know, back then you could work over the summer and make enough money to sustain yourself for the rest of the year. Wow. Um, but oftentimes, you know, they're children they get accustomed to it they don't get very good education because they're busy working fields and so when they get older they become migrant farm workers and that cycle kind of continues and so one of the things i did to pay for college was go pick peaches and and stuff uh i was working in a uh a grapefruit sorting factory and and so yeah you know i it it wasn't necessarily fun it was work uh, but as a kid, I, I enjoyed it because well, I didn't do anything, right? I would play around and and uh, bother people and make mud. <laughs> so so the, the school knows, like in Washington, the school knows that this family is a migrant. At least I, know, I remember that being a thing in, at a couch. It's like we had, I, guess, I don't know, I, I guess I'm going to call them floaters because that that word just makes sense to me um but they they come in they come out i mean migrant floaters i guess same, same idea but um mm-hmm. so the school over there recognizes that you are a migrant are they how does it work to to be out in the field and work but still need to be in school are they are they supportive of that um i guess idea so, uh, and I know we, we we talked about this last time. So I had a very different, like I was right around the time, this was right around the time where 
things started changing for migrant families. Uh, you know, most famously, the most famous migrant, I would say, is probably uh, Cesar Chavez, right? And uh, the grape uh, revolution and all that stuff calling for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but things change slowly, right? Things, things change slowly. And so when I was in school, uh, they knew I was a migrant. And because of that, they, they treated us very differently. Um, so for instance, uh, the, the laws state that migrants, even like, I think children as young as like 13 and 14, they have to go to school. Right. And, but you they are allowed to work for a certain number of hours. Right. But when you think about it, it's not like you're going to be picking right asparagus or apples at five o'clock, six o'clock in the afternoon. It's already too dark. Right. Especially in a place like Washington. So you're talking about my brothers and sisters waking up at five in the morning to go pick apples or asparagus for two, three hours, maybe before school. Right. And then, and then, you know, they all get on the bus and go home. mom, dad, and, and cousin, uncles and whatever cousins are still older, stay behind and continue. Uh, you know, that's obviously going to have a huge effect on their ability to obtain information and, and, and do well uh, in school. And that's the reality for a lot of children. In fact, some children wake up early, go to work, then go to school, and then get out of school just to go back uh, to finish up the field or whatever they're doing so that they can go home and, uh, you know, eat, you know, do That'll whatever they grow up fast. I mean, Lord, I mean, it sounds like you're, I mean, it sounds like my life now. Like I'm like doing an entire job plus doing it eight hours of school and then i don't know how fluent they were in english but also in an education system that is predominantly english and trying to learn that while getting up so early to make some money for the family and then to end the day with more work and then you have to go back home and study and hopefully pass the tests and then get ripped up from there and then have to move I don't know, maybe ripped up is not the best phrasing, but you have to have to move all the way back and, and like the season's over let's go back home. And now you're back in the Valley for a little while. And then it's, it kind of repeats itself, right? You're, you're back there and you're, maybe you're, you're late to the, you show up at a weird time. And so you're expected to know the last six weeks of work and you, you can't, it's hard to catch up. Right. And it's this, this constant, battle of playing catch up but also trying to support a family yeah yeah no no no. you're you hit the the nail on the head yeah exactly uh it's it's unrealistic to believe that children who grew up in that uh environment with those obstacles are on any way of the same playing field as uh as a child who basically has a a normal scholastic <laughs> career right where they get up go to school get home do homework study and then repeat that process i mean for some students that that is already a difficult task yeah for these migrant students 
you're you're correct. I mean, they come from houses that probably don't speak English. Uh, their parents probably low uh, levels of education. Uh, probably no formal education because in Mexico you don't have to be. Uh, you know, once you once you hit a certain level, you can just drop out, or if your parents even care for you to continue. Um, and so, yeah, all those factors, you know, they are behind 16 eight balls, much less, you know, one. Uh, and then, so the next thing I was going to say is uh, because of that, we were put into remedial classes. That's what I will call them to be polite about it. Uh, but really, we were segregated, right? We were the 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 dumb Mexican kids who were just going to come in for a couple of months and leave and, you know, just... So they just needed a place to put us uh, because we were so far behind that... I mean, putting us in the general population probably wasn't doing us any favors, but then again, uh, instead of giving us, like, intense or, you know, very specific uh, instruction to try to catch us up, it was more like, uh, I remember like getting little golden books, even when I was like in uh, fourth and fifth grade uh, to read and do like little reports on. Were and, golden uh, books? So uh, imagine uh, you're in like fifth or sixth grade and you're probably like thinking about reading like a Harry Potter book or a Twilight book or something, maybe mm -hmm. even like a king book if you're like you know pretty elevated a little golden book is a 10 page uh children's book uh that has maybe two at most three sentences uh per and is written for pre-k if not below um and you know they had like you know little uh, little red riding hood or uh the three little pigs and stuff like that. And, you know, just because a, the attitude was, well, they don't really know English. B, they're not going to study or learn English because they're really busy working and C, they don't want to because they're lazy and they're dumb or whatever. Right. I even try, but anyways, <laughs> so I'm in those classes and I would say that some of the students in the class, I mean, they fit that bill. Right. Uh, and so uh, but I uh, I was lucky enough or I would say lucky enough that. Uh, the teacher, at least uh, at the time, I don't remember her or him, I guess, probably or her. It was always it was always a, a female. Um, nice that I could read one and that I was I could speak English and that I was pretty pretty intelligent or at least uh, at a capacity where I could be put in the general population. And so I was put in the general population um, and I didn't uh, have to go through exactly what some of the other students in that time, like in that population went through, which I, I probably owe a lot to that person because if I would have spent a year or two in that system, I would probably be way 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 behind 
So you were immediately recognized and, and placed into the general population. And I think it sounds it sounds weird saying general population versus that population because I feel like it sounds like <laughs> prison. Like it feels like oh, you know, going back into Gen Pop. Like I've made it. You know, I've been on good behavior. It sounds crazy to out me. Of, but I out mean, of I guess quarantine, that, right? Exactly. But what else do you call it? You know. It, um, no, that it, it it is a a segregation, right? Like going back to the ideas. I'm not gonna state like, oh yeah, like oh it was as bad as you know. But it is definitely a civil rights issue. It is an issue that nowadays would be considered very illegal, right? Very deserving of like suits and uh, because. It, you couldn't, you just couldn't do that anymore. I was going to ask, do you think it's still done at some of these schools out there that maybe haven't gotten there yet? Or do you think that there's, there's no, no way? No, no, no. Nowadays, like I said, nowadays you wouldn't be able to. Nowadays, you would probably, you could have like a, like a, a remedial course or probably what, the, what even we do now in, in, in kind of down here is, if you know a migrant is coming, you might put them in a special course with a small group study so that you can catch them up. But the idea is that they enter the general pop, right? The idea is that they will become students in regular classes. And and if unless they have some sort of learning disability, they will be general ed classes with remedial uh, support. Maybe even a person, if, if they do have some sort of learning disability, a person who goes in there and, and helps them specifically. But nowadays, no, that was, like I said, I was going around the time where they were probably looking to, to get rid of those systems because they were starting to become questioned. You're at the start of the change. It's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, I, I was, I was with the general, uh, I remember like going to the the classes with uh, the other students and then my cousins were still like in the migrant uh, portables or whatever in the back of the school. And so, I mean, they, they still I want to I want to talk about that here in a little bit. But I want like the ex I remember you talking about the experience uh, of being back there and the difference in treatment. But um when you move to the general population, are you still treated differently or do you think you were, you were treated equally because you were as intelligent as you were, uh, you're able to keep up and hold your own. Do you think that you were still maybe seen as less than because you're, you're pretty white complected, but I mean, this, this Brown, <laughs> this Brown guy is over here and he doesn't know English or the assumption is that he doesn't know English. Well, one, I will be I will be truthful in saying that I was probably too young to understand those social cues, mm -hmm. right? Like whether I could pick up on whether my teacher thought I was uh, dumb <laughs> or the other kids thought I was. I mean, maybe I knew that I was poor in comparison, right? Uh, because, you know, the other kids probably dressed nicer than me and. And stuff like that. But I was still relatively young. So I wouldn't really. Know. I was probably just beginning to realize those things. Um, That's fair. But, I mean, makes sense. Yeah. So probably when they, you know, as a teacher nowadays, uh, 
when the teach when the when the when the faculty probably had me or they told them, hey, we're gonna put the student in your in your class. He's a migrant. They probably thought, oh, like, well, that's gonna be fun, right? Like, I'm gonna have a student who doesn't know English in my class, and you probably have to make uh, some concessions, but hopefully. I pleasantly surprised them. <laughs> I do remember, uh, uh, like I, I think I told the story the first time. Uh, one of the first books I was assigned was uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, which is a far cry from, like I said, the little golden books, 10 yeah. pagers that we were we were given. And so I always thought that was so cool. Like, oh, wow, like this is a book. <laughs> like this is a this is an actual book, <laughs> uh, and not like just a waste of time. So, when I remember you mentioned a little bit last time, uh, even the short time that you did spend, if I remember correctly, the sh- you spent a short time, I guess, in more of the remedial uh, classes and and the treatment and how the the te- I guess you already yeah, you kind of already touched on it. Um, I guess the perception of the kids just not knowing anything. There's just the assumption that they know Spanish. They're not going to put in the effort. They're not going to put in the work, and they're going to be gone in a couple of months. I feel like they're they're punished for for trying to, I guess, work and and um, I think being up here in a different environment and listening to um, the current state of the border and and the perception of people up here versus. Um, I guess being from there, um, it's kind of weird. It's it's like they expect either either I don't want to say punishment, but it's very much so looked down upon, and just like the idea of being a migrant, like being a migrant is, is very much so frowned upon. Um, and I don't know if it. I I mean, it still is obviously right. Um, yeah. Well, I think you know I could. We'll put it in a different it in a different perspective. It's like those students who and, and you went to school with them, right? Like you probably saw some students as like, oh, he's back, like from whatever detention. It's like, oh, it's only a couple of weeks until he's gone. So like, you know, what does it matter, right? Like, I'm sure there's plenty of teachers. I'm sure I've been guilty of it in the past, where I'm just kind of like. Oh, well, I have a guess. I guess I just have to deal with him until he leaves. Like, how is that student ever going to grow uh, when when even as a 15, 16 year old, they've been abandoned and just recognized as as hopeless and uh, and the system just is waiting for them to sort themselves out so they can get rid of them and 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 out of you know, their, their way for, for whatever time. Um, Do you think the expectation is that that kid grows up and becomes just another, like works a dollar general or um, McDonald's or whatever it is like that. It's just, we're waiting for that day. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we, we, you know, I would say we as a society are very guilty of, of, Labeling people and and ensuring that those labels stick, right? As opposed to trying to do what what we can to to maybe uh, improve 
we will say, no, that, that guy is he's a gangbanger. He's uh he's he's dumb or he's he never takes anything serious. So um uh, I'm just not gonna not gonna bother investing uh time into them because uh you know I'll I'll be proven right in a few years. Of course, they will be proven right because they gave up <laughs> and uh, no effort to 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 improve that person. I think unfortunately so- people live up to the perceptions that are put upon them sometimes. Uh like if you if you are, I guess maybe it's just a manifestation in, in a way. It's like if you see someone as a liar or what you know a cheat, and the the next time that they that they do, you be like, "Yep, that's what they are. Look at that!" And like I always knew it, and so yeah, I, I knew it on them. <laughs> yeah, I think sense. certainly I'm not gonna be naive enough and say that everybody is redeemable. No, yeah. like. Some of these students there, there really wasn't a way to reach them because they just weren't, you know, they, they, they just weren't at a capacity. Like, that's what I always say is that is it's hard if you're an adult, right? If we're talking about a 23-year-old uh, repeat offender, then certainly there is some credence to like, well, what can we do? He's an adult continues to make the same mistakes yeah we have we we you know we in america focus more on penalizing uh but there are some recovery programs and certain people have i'm certain that people have gone through them and then just kind of continue because change is, is difficult but you know we're talking about having that attitude with 11 year olds right like we're talking about students in fifth grade and sixth grade who probably start getting labeled as problematic and as uh, just kind of taking up space and as hopeless. Okay, well, no, they were, like you said, we're manifesting those people's futures. You know, we are, we are taking their backgrounds, which are probably working against them, robbing them of any kind of support in the present, and those things will combine to ensure that their future is bleak. Um, it's kind of sad. Yeah, uh, and so I would I would say that you're very that you're correct, and that that attitude is held with migrant students in the past, uh, currently, uh, and uh, probably into the future. Into the future, people will still see migrant farm workers as. Uh, second-class citizens um and uh when we receive those students we will probably still think oh here comes uh, another bunch of paperwork or extra things that i have to do to get this student to pass uh, or just uh, not bother and just pass the student right because what does it matter right they're just gonna uh, go on to work fields anyway so what do they need a diploma for um those attitudes persist and and will continue. I don't think it, yeah, I don't think it'll ever end. I think it'll be something I, you never. I think like DSM five, everything is always on a spectrum, and that, that's related to like autism and mental mental health and stuff like that. But I, I I want to think and apply that same kind of mentality to this. It's it's going to be on a spectrum. Like it might be less of it, but it's still going to persist and. I don't know. I guess there's the you can be that small change in your little bubble, 
uh, in your little world and, and be that teacher, be that, be that person who doesn't, I guess, have a preconceived notion that this person isn't worth it. Um, but give, give them the time of day. And then if, you know, it's ultimately it's up to that person to make the decision to, to move forward or not. But if they're never given the opportunity to, or treated like they have the opportunity to, then they never will. Right. Um, just unfortunate, but hopefully also empowering in a way, right? Like every single individual has that, that power within them with, if they, if they choose to, to take it. Yeah, no, I, I think I, you know, I've always said that when, when I reflect on my past, it's because it helps me become a, a better person. And then kind of like if, if someone needs advice, I can draw upon that and hopefully sort of give them a, 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 a better perspective on that situation. And maybe they will then decide, hey, you know what? Maybe I do do that, right? Maybe I kind of have a shitty attitude towards some of these students. And then they can reflect and then they change and it might not be a huge, huge impact, but, you know, changing the lives of, of an individual or a few individuals is meaningful to them. Um, the world is better for it, right? Even a small impact is, is still better than no impact. And I think you definitely had that impact just in my own perspective and my own experience with you, um, just being around you and, and seeing someone so motivated, um, it impacted maybe just me or maybe that, that group. Um, and so it goes on and, you know, hopefully I continue to instill and maybe I don't know if instill is the right word, but, uh, continue to, I'm going to use it. I'm going to instill that with the people that I work with and, uh, the kids that I train and, and stuff like that. I think it's, it, it does go far. I think it goes further than people perceive uh, or people think a lot of times because uh, it's so hard to see. It's something that's so delayed, um, such a delayed gratification. And, and who knows? I mean, and it may, it may not even work, right? I don't know what percentage of times it does, but um, being there when it matters, matters, right? Um, yeah, I think, you know, especially you, you you have such a strong work ethic, right? Like you have a, I mean, you have obviously like a natural talent and great capacity, but you have just worked your ass off to accomplish so much, even at such a young age. And I would say that it would be difficult to not be like inspired by that. And, and I'm sure people come to you they recognize the the talent and the the work ethic and you're right like you can share that because i i mean i don't know but there has to be countless people who come to you and expect you to just give them the secret right like yo just just tell me what i need to do and i'm sure your answer is work right like that really is the, the answer i think yeah. it's so cool it's like people look i've had so many it's kind of scary to be that person. Um, sometimes being like, whenever I post something on Instagram, I'm like, Oh man, uh, am I making like, am I being full of myself or what, what am I doing here? And also realizing that other people are watching this and it can make a difference in someone's life. And even random people that I just, 
not random people, but people that I knew for a very short period of time in my life, um, like maybe a month or two months, we followed each other on Instagram. I saw someone at the bar the other day. I was like, hey, man, I saw your stuff on, on Instagram. It's super inspiring. Like, it's really cool to watch. I'm like, oh, man. I thought, part of me feels like I was a douchebag for posting that. But, I mean, I appreciate it. Like, no, no, no. If anybody thinks that, then, you know, don't communicate with them. Continue to do what you're doing because it's going to make an impact with somebody. Um, And so it's a little scary to to be that person sometimes. Um, But you're right. I mean, it it really is just work. Um, People come and ask for the secret. And like, oh, it's because you have this genetic potential or whatever it is. It's like, really? (laughs) Honestly? It was the amount of time that I put into the gym. I think time is like if you put time towards anything, if you put time towards being a teacher, towards being a podcaster, towards being a power lifter, you are going to become good at that thing. Now, depending, there's genetic factors to it. There's a lot of luck and um, the way the universe works and there's some chance that goes into it. But ultimately, if you do the work you'll get there. Like, and that's, that's one of the things that I, one of the reasons that I wanted to come get my master's and then uh, continue my education. It's, I kind of want to look back and and like show people um, like, Hey, I am not the smartest person in the world, but you know what? I I did the work and, and look where it's led. Like if I can do it, then I mean, you you can definitely do it. Cause that, that, you know, you, whoever that is probably smarter than me, but I, it's just a matter of just putting it into action. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'll tell you what, because you you say that you share things on Instagram, you feel a little maybe self conscious about it. I always say this because I am I am a big oversharer, right? Like, uh, not oversharer like I share random facts about myself when I'm riding a bus or something like that. <laughs> but more in like I like if I feel happy or if I accomplish something that I'm proud of, you know, I do post it. And, and and things like that and and I always feel like I always feel that if you can't be happy for your accomplishments and if you can't celebrate yourself for what you do and what you have earned from the work you've put in then you know what like just fuck anyone who has an issue with that because the, there aren't always good times, right? In fact, I would say the, the 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 good times feel further and farther apart, right? And so when they come around, and when you are genuinely happy and and feeling good, then you should, as an individual, be able to celebrate that without judgment, uh, because you know, like I said, you you. If you feel good, you should feel good and not feel bad about feeling good. I think in our, our society, we are taught to feel bad about feeling good. Like it's something to be embarrassed about, that you have accomplished something and that you're proud of, of that achievement. Does it mean that you like rub it into people's faces? No, I think there's a difference. I think, I think if you got a job like, you know, or you, you, you won a medal. I mean, rubbing it in someone's face is telling the people behind you, like, ah, oh, fuck you. See, I told you I was going to beat you, dick. Yeah. But just being happy that you won or accomplished something is not, I think, a, a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing, you know, because someday 
the 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 hope is that they will win that medal or or maybe go above you and then they can celebrate their accomplishment because they earned it um so no i i think that what you post on instagram and 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 your accomplishments you you should be proud of them and and hopefully people are proud of you for them i think i mean it's i think uh for it's something as small as whenever i go for a run um you know, take, taking off my shirt sometimes I'm like, man, I'm feeling myself. But then at the same time, I'm like, wait, hold on. Like someone's going to look at me like, wow, look at that guy running. Look like a douchebag. I'm like, oh man, it, it is kind of douchey, isn't it? But, but I also, I feel good. Right. I want some sun and I feel, it just feels nice. Um, but you're right. Like I worked for it. I, I went to the gym all those hours and, um, I'm outside running, you know, or I'm in, inside the gym working my ass off in order to get this that I've worked for. Why do I need to be fearful of hiding it? Um, yes, it, you know, and to, to segue into something that I know you wanted to discuss, cause I know you wanted to talk about my weight loss journey, right? Um, yes, please. That's exactly how I felt when I started losing weight. I, one of the things that really helped me uh, is that instead of like giving my giving me myself like cheat meals or like, oh, OK, I lost like uh, 10 pounds. So I'm going to go to a buffet and stuff. Right. Like I what I would do is for every 10 pounds I lost, I would go and buy new clothes. Right. Yeah, Whether that's it's cool. Yeah. Some new shirts or some new pants. Uh and and then just because it felt so good to be like, because losing 10 pounds is obviously like you look good in the mirror or whatever um, and, and you feel better. But it, it's such an interesting feeling to go and be like, oh, man, I really like that shirt. And it's like, oh, it's a large. And you're like, oh, I can't fit in larges. And you'll be like, well, let me try it on. And then you're like, oh, shit, I fit in a large. And you're like, I can buy this shirt now. Whereas before you were just sort of like relegated to whatever shirt was available to, you know, the double X rack or whatever, right? Which, I mean, is is sometimes not very flattering clothing. Dude, uh, I, have to, I have to say, this is one of the coolest things. I have never heard this be used as a tool. I don't think you mentioned this last time, but every 10 pounds buying new clothes, that is so such a cool positive reinforcement. I absolutely love that. And and if anybody's <laughs> listening, then they should definitely adopt that because that is so freaking cool. I That is so awesome. Yes, because, and it serves like multiple purposes. One, and you know this, right? There's a lot of people who get caught up in the numbers, right? There's a lot of people who look at a scale and see, you know, 230. And then they see that like week one and then week two and then week three. And then they're just like, well, I'm not losing weight. This isn't working. Right. But they might be losing weight. They might be losing, you know, mass or being slimmer. Maybe it. It's it's a weird thing, right? They're losing inches, but their 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 body recomposition, right? They're they're recomposing. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe they just uh, you know, or maybe it's going very slowly to them, right? So maybe it's not like two thirty. Maybe then you know, two weeks. It's like two thirty 
228 and they're like, you know, I, I worked so hard for two weeks and to just lose two pounds. But if they would go to, like I said, like a store after losing like 10 pounds and then realize, holy shit, I lost it. Like I lost two inches off my waist, maybe even four. Like I used to be a 44 and now I'm a 40. Right. Or going from a 40 to like a 30 is like an incredible feel. Right. Because and you'll feel it. You'll be like, holy shit. Like, I don't look like a goddamn genie anymore. Because, <laughs> yeah, because as a as a as a, you know, as a big person, like the waist is so big that obviously you're you're the, unless you're going to look like uh, Professor Eggman or Robotnik, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to look like you have parachutes uh, for pants and. You know, the it, it's it's going to be unflattering. Uh, the first time, you know, it's a weird thing, but the first time I put pants around my waist, I was like, okay, you know, I've always had my pants around, you know, sitting just above my hips, which meant that, you know, my butt always looked like I was pooped because, you know, the, the seat just, you know, basically dragging. Yeah. And so... You feel, you look better, right? You put on the clothes and it gives you the confidence. It gives you motivation to sort of continue. You're right. It's positive reinforcement. Whereas, you know, you go to a buffet, you start with those unhealthy habits um, again. Or, you know, even one buffet session might ruin an entire week's worth of progress. um, Especially if that progress is slow. It, yeah. it it was it was really it was really cool to be able and then you know being able to to fit like I love Perry Ellis clothing when I was bigger I wouldn't be able to fit in it right like the styling always looked very nice to me and I always loved that kind of like professional stylish look yeah the largest size they sell is like an XL and that XL is like most other people's largest. Yeah. Right. Or, um, you know, there's a lot of people like Calvin Klein or express clothing. And, you know, those, those are, are cut for different bodies. They're not cut for shapes of bodies for people who are large. Um, and when you finally get to go and, and buy like a nice quality dress shirt or a button up and and it 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 really does a lot to motivate you and something i remember you mentioning last time was that it is different for everybody and, and a lot of people came up to you at the same like as well and asked what what's the trick like, what are you doing and why isn't like this diet didn't work for me? Why is it working for you? And, and I remember you you mentioning last time. Well, it's different for every single person. Maybe buying the the shirt and the pants every ten pounds isn't going to work, and maybe it's going to be every twenty pounds, or it's going to be you know it's it's there's small intricacies that are going to fit somebody else more than than another person. Um, but this is the thing that ended up working for you, and and I think it can work for a lot of people, but. I think I think not everybody needs to follow this way to go about it, right? Um, yeah, I, I think. Gen- oh, sorry. 
Oh, you're good. So I'm going to say, find your motivation. And then I'm going to, I'm going to step away real quick. I'm going to let you continue. Uh, I'm just going to go to the restroom. I'll be back in like two seconds. Yeah, no, don't worry. Um, I guess I'll just speak to the, the audience out there in podcast land. Um, yeah, I, I would say there, there just is no secret. I've always seen or not always seen. I, I started seeing, uh, my weight loss, uh, not as a diet, right? Diet is the food you eat, uh, but more as a strategy and that there are multiple strategies out there and you just, uh, you can pick and choose and try them out. And if they are working for you, then you continue. And if they don't work for you, then you just kind of choose a different strategy. I think kind of like the way people uh, have different tastes in music, right? Someone can tell you that uh, classical music is so beautiful. It's really the the only music that qualifies to be music. But if you just don't like classical music, then it's never going to appeal to you. Um, and there will be people who just like heavy metal versus rap. And those people will think that pop music is so stupid and a waste of time. But if you like pop music and it works for you, then all right, you just continue listening to it. So if 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 salads don't work for you, then you know you go and you try some of the other uh, strategies. I, I personally did a, a high protein, low carb diet. I don't necessarily call it keto because I didn't follow all of the keto principles. Like I did lower my fat consumption. I wouldn't eat all my fat macros because, you know, I think uh, the most important philosophy is uh, the less calories consumed, the more weight you'll lose and the faster you'll lose it. Um, And so the protein was filling enough so that I would eat less and um, so. that me lose weight very, very, very fast. But again, it's a strategy. Some people, salads do work for them. They just really enjoy salads, so just eat salads. Um, yeah. Protein is just- the most satiating um, macronutrient of any of them. It's definitely <laughs> nice. Yes, yes, yes. I uh uh I I ate a, a lot of turkey and just white like what is it, chicken breast? Yeah. And then lean ground beef. It's definitely important to have carbs and all those good things, but I mean I, I like I mean, I think it is as simple as uh, calories in versus calories out and being a, a net negative will end up leading you to losing weight. It's just, it's bound to happen, right? Um, you, you just, yeah, I, go for it. Yeah, I, I always tell people um, that, because some people will be like, but, you know, my doctor said that I couldn't, like, completely get rid of carbs, and which is true. Like, it, it really, nowadays, I mean, I can make, eat, I eat beans and rice and, you know, but I've I've learned to become more food conscious. I have, you know, I, I can do trade-offs, right? Not eat as much beans, not eat as much rice. Um, you just got to really 
look at your goals and and focus and and see what works for you and and test some stuff out. I think um, a lot of people have some weird conceptions about food, but the more you read and become more eat and dispel some of uh, like food myths, uh, then you will you will that that will pay off in spades. Like whatever diet you choose, whatever strategy you choose, be knowledgeable, right? Understand uh, at least what you're doing, why you're doing it, and uh, and and really study up on the food you eat. When you first um, started getting rid of carbs in your diet, did you have withdrawals by any chance? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was I I. I suffered from a few headaches, especially like the week or two afterwards when I started like heavy, heavy getting rid of carbs. Uh, definitely, uh, there was like a period where I would just kind of be like, oh, man, like. I feel kind of weird. Uh, I think and even if you're not sorry to cut you off, go for it. No, no, no. I, I think we- even if you are. um not going entirely keto, I, I think at least I think it's a good idea uh, to help with insulin resistance uh, to get off of you know simple sugars and carbohydrates for a little while and kind of figure out um, what it feels like to not have them and, and uh, see how it like truly addicted or addictive um, those simple sugars are. It, it's crazy what simple sugars does to the body and release dopamine inside the brain and. It, it is so addictive and you will have withdrawals and you have these cravings. Um, it's been a little while since I've done that, but each time I do, I absolutely hate it. Um, and one that I would want to do or I'm wanting to do soon is caffeine because the caffeine is another big one that I, I guess, suffer from addiction, if you will, um, which I guess most of the America is, right? But either way, um, I think it's something every once in a while, just kind of reset your system. You know, like my adrenal glands are probably super tired from me just giving them more caffeine than they deserve uh, or than they need. And I think your body is would appreciate getting rid of some, some simple carbohydrates as well. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, and and but like I said, that goes back to if you tell someone, well, you got to simple carbohydrates, they got to know what a simple carb is, right? Good point, yeah. They got the difference between simple carbs and complex carbs. Uh, why fiber is considered a carb? Why starch is a carb? Even though they don't have like the same properties as glucose does, and you know what is glucose? What is insulin? How you know, you don't have to be uh, a scientist, right? You don't have to be like a medical professional. You can just read some well-explained, simple-to-understand articles to just have an idea of what to look for and, and what to look out for, right? Like, oh, okay, so whole wheat, and th- that's why most people... Uh, think of it as being healthy because it's a complex carbohydrate that has nothing to do with the calories, right? Because whole wheat may have more a white, like if we're talking about bread, a, a white bread counterpart, 
but it's more about uh, that process, right? So like, you know, because I know a lot of people, um, they'll be like, oh, yeah, like I do keto, I, but I only eat wheat bread. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. I mean, you know, I'll be thinking like, well, that's not necessarily keto. I'm not going to tell them anything because I don't think there's too wrong with eating whole wheat bread. (laughs) But there will be people who are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, And I'll be like, no, I don't don't want anything from Subway. It's that, you know, it's too much calories. Like, oh, yeah, but I get the wheat bread. And I'm like, that's more calories, right? <laughs> that's a huge loaf of bread for like a small portion of protein, right? My problem is not with with the like. My problem is with the ratio. You're getting too much bread, which is not going to be as filling as the protein that's in the sandwich. You know the calories, right? You're probably getting what. 120 calories from the turkey that they put in it versus 400 from the bread. And to me, that's not very filling, right? It's not satiating. I will be hungry uh, in a little bit, probably because our bodies burn off carbohydrate calories, you know, faster than they do process protein and fats, right? Uh, but, a, you know, a person who is not food knowledgeable um, doesn't know stuff like that. They just have the conception that healthy bread is wheat bread. So as long as I get the wheat bread, it's like, no, that's that's it's not true. You uh, have to- but unfortunately, I feel like our society focuses so much on the on the carbohydrate and not necessarily the protein. Like there's just anywhere you go, it's like you got to get your fries, you got to get your bread, you go to McDonald's, you got to get the buns, you got to get the fried food. I mean, that's more fatty, but I mean, you have the, the, the breading, which is got the carbohydrate. And there's such a small focus on the protein source. Um, I think all the way around, and, and, and especially in our in our culture, um, you have the rice, you have the beans, and then you have the fajitas and the tortillas on the side. But carb, 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 plus a protein at the very end of that, um, and then you're there, you know, hung, hungry very shortly after. Um, now you're having the salsa and you're having the guac and you're having, you know, all these snacks in between to hold you over until dinner, where you're gonna have more rice, beans, a tortilla, and then another protein source. Um, and I think it, it, I mean, it's everywhere. I, I say our culture cause I think it's the most relatable, uh, to us. You can hear my cat meowing back there. Um, uh-huh. but also, I mean, in, in, in American culture too, you have burgers, you have the, 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 our American version of pizza. Like it is everywhere. And most of it is this high GI carb, this high glycemic index carb that, um, you know, increases your blood sugar, increases your insulin so quickly, um, and ended up ends up causing this this insulin resistance that uh, ends up unfortunately leading to diabetes, which is the biggest thing in the U.S. right now, right? Um, yeah, with one, one with, with and with no nutritional value, right? Like with, like vitamins with no. With no minerals or any, literally, like, no, it's just it's just flour and water and some fat 
and some salt, you know, like there is yeah. not a lot in that thing for you. Um, and, and, you know, and, and so I think the number one, like I always tell people, the number one thing, if you are serious about losing weight is find an alternative to sugary drinks that includes, uh, you know, obviously that includes Coke, like, like soft drinks, you know, Cokes and Pepsis, uh, sweet teas. There's a lot of people who will be like, oh yeah, I gave up Coke. I drink sweet tea. <laughs> Might literally have more sugar. <laughs> Coke has a shit ton of sugar, but you know, some restaurant sweet teas are like way, way too sweet. Right. Um, they'll be like, oh no, I, but I just drink like natural juices. And like, what kind of natural juice do you drink? Like, do you squeeze it out? Well, no, I buy the ones at the store and you're like, just turn the label around and you see that they have a huge, like a, a just a big A disgusting chunk. amount of sugar, to be honest. Like, it, it's kind of saddening because I feel like these educated people who are creating these drinks and putting them out there for the market, they, there is no care for health, right? The, the, the care is to how much, how, what is this dollar, what is it going to make me? How many dollars can I get out of this drink? Um, but I, I think you have the responsibility as the educated individual to, uh, how about instead of, you know, we're, I don't know, instead, instead of using this high fructose corn syrup that, yeah, might have some more buys, we use a natural spirulina, uh, as our sweetener. And it's, it's, even if, if it's just that, just, why does it need to always be the high fructose corn syrup or the, the, the unhealthy peace they're educated right we're, we're educated we should be able to help other people and, and give because not everyone has the time to know everything so if you have a specialty give it out like share it and, or maybe like and, and condense it and maybe, maybe make it so accessible that it doesn't take any thought um but unfortunately that doesn't make any dollars right so it's yeah that's a that's a topic for an entirely much larger broadcast but you know you're you're correct. It's, uh, you know, and, and uh, something that you had mentioned uh, is the idea of, of manipulation, uh, especially in in terms of leadership and, and why it isn't effective. Um, but manipulation is, is a very powerful tool. And um, I think, I think there is like a lot of manipulation, uh, even within the, the dieting industry, it took me a while, and like I said, I would read a lot, and I've read at least, you know, several articles um, that talk about fat-free, right? And how oftentimes, not often, but several times, fat-free products are worse than their non-diet What they will often do is replace fat with sugar so that it still is appealing to the consumer, Right. So like you have uh, a sugar free or a fat free milk or something like that or fat free creamer and it's just full of sugar now. Right. <laughs> so no loss in calories or maybe there's like a small loss in calories to a diabetic person. They probably think, oh, it's free. That's healthier. And then they're like shooting themselves in the foot because they're actually thinking of strictly worse for their diet. Um. And so, but again, that goes back to be 
being able to read a label, understand uh, that that you know, be able, being able to compare two different products and being like, oh, okay, so uh, this one has 200 calories and the other one has 210 calories, but the 210 calorie one, you know, eight grams of protein and grams of sugar, whereas the 200 one has only two grams of protein, like 12 grams of sugar. And even though it's less calories, it's probably worse for me. Um, really so, turn, yeah. turning that thing around really does make a difference. And the book I'm reading that that I, that I was referencing earlier about manipulation is uh, is called um, Start with Why, and it has been a absolute pleasure reading this book so far. Um, I've been on this self help binge for I guess the last couple of years, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, so start with why the, the last chapter that I was reading talks about um, how companies use manipulation tactics like rebates um, to get people to buy something but then a large percentage they expect that a large percentage of the people that buy something on on the fact that there's gonna be a rebate aren't ever going to use the rebate they're called they call them slips um, and so they might dish out and um, 15% of the actual rebate versus all the other people end up becoming lazy or they make the process so difficult to get the rebate that people give up. Um, the date was wrong. The, the letters were incorrect. So they send it back. And by the time the person receives the, the, I don't know, the appeal, I guess, um, to say that their their rebate wasn't accepted, they're like, eh, you know what? Like, I already have the thing. What does it really matter? Um, and it's a common manipulation tactic, especially used during the uh, or during inside of the car industry. And yes. then they talked about how um, loyal that's that's manipulation and and creating business through through that versus business through loyalty and so a loyal customer is someone who a loyal customer versus a returning customer a returning customer is that that person who buys the car because that's the thing to do right because they, they get they get the rebate or they think they got the rebate um, versus a loyal customer is someone who goes to a location or a place of business and gives that person business or that because they have decided even though there might be a better product elsewhere this place is honest and truthful and forward and does the right thing and that creates loyalty which creates long-term success for the company and a long-term relationship between the consumer and the company but i feel like that's so rarely seen especially when I've been able to, I've, I've seen so many businessmen and, and how things work at, at work. And sometimes I'm like, man, you know, like there it's, there's, I feel like the, there's more manipulation that happens than, um, that I'm comfortable with seeing sometimes. Um, but I, and I wonder how much of that is a reality. And, and I continue to look out and try to use all these other people's 
uh, expertise because they have been successful and how can I use what they have done to be successful and use that for myself to hopefully grow in the future. Um, but recently I decided, you know what, like I continue to look outward, but I, I know what the answer is. I, I know that honesty is the right thing to do. I know that I don't appreciate manipulation. Why do I want that? Why do I continue to compare myself to others on the outside perspective um, and be in my community? I, if I say I'm going to do something, it's because I'm going to do it. And then hopefully that ends up breeding more success and it might be slower and it might not be as, as much, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to have that loyal customer rather than that returning customer. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think, I mean, certainly like for instance, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about like Instagram uh, influencers. Right. I think, you know, if you look at an Instagram influencer, their job is basically uh, to generate a large population of clients, right? And then really the way they turn that profit is by marketing products to them, right? And I feel that oftentimes, you know, there's obviously there's just like, you know, reports after reports, documentaries of basically Instagram influencers shelling out uh, useless products, worthless products. And then just once anyone, once everyone discovers that worthless, it doesn't matter because they've already moved. Right. So quick nowadays that you can just basically have uh, a Kylie Jenner or whatever you pay her. Uh, what is it? Probably now a few million dollars per post. She, yeah, she tweets or posts something on Instagram where she pretends to like your product. Everyone knows she probably doesn't use it, but yet the reach and the influence she has over what are ostensibly her clients, she sees them as people who benefit her because, you know, they help her sell um, her image. And uh, that's a shitty thing to do, right? Maybe there is a, these people are, are kind of young and naive and they don't really have that mentality that tells them that it's a shitty thing to do. Uh, but if you are the kind of person who recognizes it as a shitty thing to do and you continue doing it, then that kind of qualifies you as a shitty person. I would say so. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, you know what? I was young and yeah, you're kind of right. Like someone offered me uh, to advertise for some stupid thing. And then I was probably like not the smartest thing in the world do that shit anymore clean up you could be like hey that's respectable right again you can't hold people to certain degrees when they are probably just young really just make things work uh but once you know that you're kind of on the bad side and you continue on the bad person uh but there is just so much rush to and, and there's always been uh just these rushes to get rich quick 
and uh, I don't and and there's especially with like what is it called multi-level marketing there's such a rush to sucker other people uh before you realize you were suckered right like that's that's the goal right it's like oh man uh i know i'm in this mess but uh let's see how many people i can just get in the boat with me i can uh that that attitude is 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 just it's so unfortunate and i feel like it's so like it's it's it, what's the word it, it's just it's everywhere it, it's it's very common unfortunately yes it's, it's it's more common than i'm comfortable with yeah and but i will say that what that what that does allow for is Eventually, people get burned, and then they learn, and then they kind of recognize, look for genuine, right? There are some people who, unfortunately, to understand that, and they will just continue. Mauro, you're, that, you're, cutting, you're cutting in and out, Mauro. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, I so I was saying that there there are people who will event will continue being suckers, right? They will look for the quick rich schemes and sort of continue justifying it to themselves that this next one is the real thing, right? Like, oh, it's 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 one that's gonna hit. It's the one that's gonna make it. It's the one that's gonna make me rich. But um, but I think you once realized like, oh, I don't want to be that person, or I don't want be other people who have learned their lesson and are looking for genuine people and are looking for genuine uh businesses and 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 you know you're right maybe you, you charge more but they'll see that as a oh, okay so this guy's not just everything for like an incredibly low price because they recognize their own worth and maybe i should pay it I think a lot of time, not all the time, but I think there's, it's very often where you find people who are, I, I like to pay money the first time and not have to pay it twice. So I would rather, I would much rather pay, um, so I guess somebody $200 for a job rather than pay them to pay the guy, Joe Blow, who said, oh man, I can do it for 50 bucks, pay him 50 bucks, end up walking away and end up getting gypped and now I have to pay the guy 200 bucks to fix the work plus another, or maybe a hundred bucks to fix the work plus 200 bucks to do the original job. I ended up coming out way more expensive, but you know what? They got, they, they did the job correctly. Um, I think there are definitely people who charge more and, um, it's appropriate to do so, you know? Um, and then there's the people who charge more just cause they can sell well and they make it look like a certain way. So it's also, um, kind of just looking at the situation and, and maybe getting gypped enough times um, there's going to be failure along the way. And there's going to be times, where, you know, you, you do your research and figure out is this person legit or not. Um, and, and I guess you can kind of learn that way. But I, I always, I, I believe that people who are maybe more genuine um, will charge what they are worth. And, and if you, and if you're not satisfied, usually that person will also want to make it right. They they will do their best to make sure that you are walking away with a good experience and not just 
Oh, I got your money. I'm going to walk away now. Yeah, I think when when someone is happy to share their genuine, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what what like a uh, feedback? Like for instance, um, when so okay, well, when someone can sell on their reputation, then that's good, right? They don't have to use the fancy manipulation you mentioned, right? You know, you don't have to, you know, you're like as a personal trainer, right? You don't have to promise people uh, the results in six weeks. You can tell them comfortably like, no, this is a, a long process. Uh, these are the steps we're going to take. You will see improvement, uh, but I'm, but, you know, that improvement might take a while. But I can tell you, I can guarantee you that we will see it and you will be a, a healthier person. And, you know, I won't put your health at risk. Um, and then you have the other side where they're like, no, 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 no. Give me six weeks, a hundred bucks and I will we'll do this. You know, we don't need all that stuff. And yeah, all that shit is bullshit. <laughs> you know, like. When you can sell your reputation and, and when people recognize it, then A, you'll be making money and B, you'll feel good about what you do, right? Um, whereas opposed to just feeling good about the money you're making. There are people who just feel good about the money they're making. Maybe they feel good about scamming people, but they're shitty people and you don't want to be one. There really are people who feel good about scamming other people. Like, oop, got away with it. And that is mind-blowing to me. I cannot imagine being on the other end and trying to manipulate someone to get a result and being like, yes, I did it. And then you walk away and this person's left like, man, what the fuck just happened? Like, <laughs> it's like, I think... There, when I when I started doing the the home sales, um, people will, would walk in like and then I started selling. I would sell like, like three a month, two a month, um, and they're like, "Man, you're you're like doing better than our than our goals. Like, what is it that you are doing?" And I was like, "I don't know. I'm just being a person and being honest and like, hey, this is the product that we have. This is the layout. And do you want it? No. Okay. Like that's all right. There's gonna be someone else for you." It's just not me and my feelings aren't hurt. There's going to be somebody else that this does fit and I'm not going to try to say, oh, well, this is what I'm going to try to do for you and I'm going to try to do, you know, like I don't want to play those games because I don't want those games to be played to me either. Um, so then, you know, you just, I just like, hey, this is, this is what it is. Um, and if I think the product is, is quality, then that's all you have to do. All you have to do is say, hey, this is what it is. You either want it or you don't. And Either way, I am okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I always say if people always be like, uh, like my I, when they buy stuff online, they'll always be like, man, I saw this thing on Wish, but I don't know I, should, I don't know if I should buy it because, you know, they always say that that shit never comes out the way they show pictures of. And I was like, I think you answered your own questions, right? Like, <laughs> you obviously know that wish or all these like 
really super cheap online companies have these shitty reputations earn people all the time and yet you're trying to be like no but they're not gonna break. i'm like no you you know the answer to your question you're gonna get and then you're not gonna return it because i feel so fucking stupid for even buying it in the first place and wish will make money off it you'll just be one of the big suckers on their list of big suckers right it's a long list yeah it's a long list right and and that's what a lot of companies right they they're like we just need the sale and then when this person complains we'll be like look that's what you, you signed the contract right like you you paid us the money and hey fuck it right and uh, you, people 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 just need to be better about being honest with themselves and saying, you know what, I am I am paying less money, but I know, but I'm happy, I'm fine with the shitty product. But as a com- consumer, when you get that shitty product and you paid for the shitty product, you can't also be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Like you say, you know, you go to a you go to a realtor, and and they say, oh, yeah, you know, we have. The- super cheap and three or four years down the later storm and your floods and you're just like what why didn't the realtor tell you should have known yeah should have known why that property right you should have done your research you should have checked the area around why is this property so cheap oh it's in a flood zone right or oh okay like that's that's why so- right because if the old adage, if it's too good to be true, it is too, it is, right? It, it is, is too good. Yeah. So um, in, in your side of the world where you work now, and do you think that honesty is something that is um, valued or maybe something that maybe not as much? You know, I, I'll tell you this much. Uh, I recently got a, a promotion, right? Nice. Thank you, thank you. I, I went from a part-time teaching position, uh, which in which I had to do substituting to make ends meet, right, uh, to a full-time position with the, with the same company. And I had so many people, right, when the position was posted, tell me, by the way, they posted this position, you applied to it. We're talking about uh, supervisors, uh, co-workers, other people I had just worked with, right? Like, not like, oh, this is my friend, co-worker, but just like people I happen to, like, know from meetings and stuff like that would just be like, you should apply. You should apply, right? And they were like, oh, man, I hope you get it. right? Like, and what that really, I was, it, it filled me with such a sense of Pride because what it told me is that they had recognized my efforts over these last years, right? Like, there are so many people who work, and and you're right, like, they even, even in a job like mine, it's all about manipulation, it's all about talk, it's promises, it's, it's kind of shitty attitude, it's like, handing off responsibilities and so i don't like that and i didn't do that 
and it was maybe took me a little bit longer but i really genuinely tried to present myself as a helpful individual as a motivated individual uh, if teachers had questions i would help them if my supervisors had something they needed help with then i would you know be the first to be like hey you know what like i have a i have a i have a solution for that or i have an idea whereas a lot of people are are scared to share their ideas Oh, you know what? If I suggest something and then it fails, then I'm going to be the one who ruined everything or blame me. Whereas I'm more to the kind of guys like, I know something that could help. Well, then I'm going to offer it. If someone doesn't take that suggestion, well, that's fine because I'm just suggesting something. But I genuinely feel that this suggestion might help them. So I'm going to say something. And I did that enough times. And those suggestions were enough helpful and that it was like oh okay this person is genuinely intelligent and genuinely good at his job and then being recognized by people telling me like hey a new position is open you would be good for this position because these are other co-workers telling me hey you know what like if I'm going to have to have a boss, I wouldn't mind that being you. That is like an incredible feeling because you're, you grew up, you grow up or you, you go through your career not liking the individual. You often thinking like, oh, my supervisor sucks. My administrator sucks. But them saying like, hey, you know what? I think you would actually be really good for this position. You're helpful and I enjoy working with you. You have a good attitude. And you're positive. And, you know, you should go for it. And then getting that job and is like a, a culmination of your efforts being recognized. It was a very, uh, a very, very good feeling. Especially since I left public education Specifically, specifically because my interaction with public education administrators, who I love teaching. When you're in the classroom, I loved it. You have like students that give you a hard time and some days are shittier than others. But for the most part, it feels rewarding. I like get cool, interesting people, see them grow into cool, interesting adults. Um, but, you know, the administrative side is what really sucks, right? Uh, and so now that I'm in that position, it, it feels like, oh, okay, like, that's cool. It's cool to have other people say, you know what, you're not a shitty person, right? And you, you deserve this. And that was really cool. And, and and like I and like you said, I think genuinely presenting yourself and putting yourself out there and doing what it takes to get other people to see the good qualities of you as opposed to just trying to manipulate them, you know, being a yes man so you can get on someone's good side or like try to pass people's work off. Take all the credit 
people will recognize that. And you might get ahead, but at what cost? Right? You might not care, but I do. Right? Like, I care about my reputation. I care about people thinking that I'm a good person and that I I, I deserve uh, the accolades that I achieve and that I worked hard to accomplish. And I was really happy uh, that I was recognized for that. That's really special. I mean, that, that I don't think there's any better, better compliment. I mean, that, that is crazy cool to hear. I mean, yeah, I think you'd be a great administrator. I don't know what position you got, but I, I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, I think it's kind of cool, but I, I think you are it's something that I think all of us can take away from that is standing up. I think for what we believe in and genuinely, but what we genuinely believe in, not, not just saying that being that yes, man. And I think a lot of times I definitely fall victim to that. And it's like, no, maybe my, my idea isn't going to be, is going to be worth as much as X, Y, Z because they have more experience or, but I'm at the same time, I need to understand and, understand my self-worth and say, no, you know, I'm a pretty smart dude. I, I can bring value. I have a, I have a perspective on this that carries value. Let me at least put it out there. And if it's not taken, then it's not taken. But at least I did my due diligence to speak what I thought was going to be right for the better men of this group, this population, whatever, whatever is, is at hand. Um, and that's something that's really hard to do, um, but something I think everybody should do more of. It's just practice, right? It, it should really just practicing it, getting getting shut down a couple of times and saying, you know, that's not maybe that's not a good idea. But that one that does hit and it ends up being a good idea and, and people run off with it. And, and then you have another and you have another. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And, and But also understanding that not all of them are going to be taken or some of them are going to be kind of changed and that it's going to be in a group setting where people are going to have, Oh, well we could also do this. And they make your idea that much better. But if you would have never put it out there, that that idea would never existed. Right. You, we would have never done something good for the community. Um, so I think that's really special and something that a lot of us uh, could, and maybe I'm just speaking just maybe for me, um, that I could definitely be better at, you know, I, I definitely could be better at. Yeah. I think, I think, Something that, like I said, there's some fear in the ability to give suggestion. People don't like to be responsible. Um, maybe they think that people will not accept their ideas. Uh, but that attitude, you know, going back to when we started, is is really just you bottling yourself and bottling your potential. Oftentimes, it's what you tell yourself. So that you don't have to, you you can stay safe and not face criticism and and not, you know, potentially fail. Right? It's it's you're lying to yourself. You can stay comfortable. That's not the way to grow. And and that's not the way to prog, you know, make progress. Right? You have to uh you have to put in the work and sometimes that putting yourself in an uncomfortable position, fighting maybe a little bit uh, for, you know, some recognition uh, and putting yourself out there. Um, and and that pays off, right? Um, 
it's not a guarantee. Nothing ever is. But, you know, you can't sit in the back of the classroom uh, waiting for someone to just assume uh, that you're a leader. You have to be in the front, right? You have to demonstrate to people uh, that you're intelligent, that you're capable, that you're ready. And, and once you demonstrate that, you hope that they respond and, and you hope that, you know, you get recognized for it. And if you don't, then you move on because there's no growth there, right? Not everyone is, not every boss, not every leader is happy to recognize their subordinates' um, talents. But there are plenty of companies that will. And there are plenty of jobs that will. And so you just this one. I was at Ed Calchosa. I didn't feel that I was being appreciated for my talents. I took a risk. I left a very comfortable position, a, a, a job that earned me a very decent amount of money for the area that we live in. Um, and at the time, you know, people, well, why? And I was like, because I don't want to be here anymore. It's not making me happy. I'm actively unhappy. Uh, took some risk. It didn't work out. I had to do the part-time teaching thing, the substitute teaching thing. When you come back to your school as a substitute teacher after being a high school teacher and you're not like 60 and retired, it looks bad. People start wondering, you know, if you develop some sort of cocaine habit and, uh, you know, got arrested or why you're doing the menial job when you could have, when be just before, a couple of years before that, you a full-time teacher, it, it's not an easy pill to swallow, but I did it because I knew that the path, while not glamorous, was right for me. And that eventually I would overcome the, the adversity that I faced and, uh, and meet uh, a goal that, that I had and, and which I think is now coming to fruition right? Like I am now at a better position than I was when I left it. Whereas had I just stayed there, I would be a teacher in an unhappy job, right? And that was probably never going to change um, because teaching, there's not too much growth. You are a teacher from day one until the day you retire. Um, do you make more money? Yes, but your role is the same. Um, and so I'm glad that I took that risk and it was a bumpy road, but it looks like it paid off. You know, I'm really glad you took that risk because I think I am in a position that's very similar, um, feeling undervalued and, and not necessarily the happiest. And so what do I do? And, um, I feel like it's such a, oh man, like I'm going to make a change at this time of my life. I'm already so far along. Um, how could I ever make a change and it end up working out? But it doesn't matter at what age, at what stage, if you are not happy and, and you, and you're going to, you, if you want it, you can figure it out. You can find the substitute job. You can, um, make, be able to live and still make headway in your in your long-term goal 
Um, and it's not easy and not immediately gratifying. You're not getting the paycheck that can, you know, make you give you the luxuries that you maybe you once had. And now you have to kind of reassess and like, I can, like, this is my bare minimums, but I'm working for something better. Um, I think, I think we fear not figuring it out when, after we, after we left that job. Now I've quit. Now what? Oh God. Like that. It's, it's a scary and it's a scary adventure to take, but I think ultimately if it's going to end up pushing you in the direction that you need to do, I think people's bodies and brains are, are people are so adaptable that we, I mean, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Um, we have the ability to figure things out a lot better than, I don't know, other animals, I guess. Um, we are adaptable. And if, I think if you put something in a situation, I mean, either, I mean, animals, you put an animal a human, an animal inside of a situation that they are forced to adapt, they almost always will. Um, and if not, then, you know, you can always go back to the thing that you were doing before and it, it didn't work out. Then you, at least you tried and you have a backup. You, you have a skill, um, that you're not going to just lose. And so long as you left the job in the right way and, and you did the things that you're supposed to do and, and you have the certifications and you can go back to doing that job. Um, it doesn't just go away. Being a teacher in that town will never stop, right? It'll always be existent. And so you might as well take the risk of going to try something else somewhere else where you're going to have a happier life and feel more valued and appreciated and rather than just never attempting and always being sad. Yeah, I think the one thing that you just can't get back is the years you lose to feeling like, you're unhappy, right? Like I would rather struggle and feel like I'm working towards a better life for myself than to just meander in like a toxic environment, right? Like, you know, I would rather be fighting my way out of quicksand than to just be sitting in the middle of a swamp because you know yeah maybe the quicksand but maybe you make it out and you'll be in a better position whereas if you're just sitting in the swamp what, what are you really doing right like waiting is to that die you really like living your life or are you just kind of existing? Um, so yeah, I think, I think you, 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 you evaluate, you look at your life, look at your priorities. You look at what you can do. You can go about it in a smart way. You don't have to, like you said, right. Go about it the right way. Burn down your, office and like flip off or whatever you submit your two weeks paper because you just you're and your, your two weeks notice or whatever and, and you start looking for jobs and or you start your small business or you you go uh solo right as a consultant or maybe you get an all a, a different job that has nothing it'll give you some time so you can go back and study or you know, focus on a skill that you have. 
there's so many avenues uh to 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 be successful um it it's it's bizarre that people are so caught up with the attitude that 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 they can't or they shouldn't or they they you know i understand you know hey some people have families you got kids to support you can't make that leap from monday to tuesday right but that doesn't mean you can't start laying down right for an eventual move start putting together a plan start thinking of what you can do to better yourself better your life you just it's 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 all work though it goes back to that idea right there is just no secret all right there's risk there's work and uh a little bit of, of a little bit of praying and a little bit of hoping and 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 you never know right and I think the last thing I kind of want to touch on and kind of come to an end here is um, you said one thing there that really stood out and something that I've been thinking a lot about is we have the ability to think. And I think it's so often undervalued that we are these conscious animals that exist here. And, you know, like we, if that, that is our superpower and we don't take time to sit and just think and see like think things through and instead of just just reacting to something we have been given this ability and we don't take advantage of it and so think think it through you know and i just i like that a lot i i i, I like that you were here today and and so, like it's just so inspiring to hear and i i like i like your story a lot maro um thank you thank you i just it's it's hopefully other people get as as much out of it as as I do. I think it's just it's really nice to hear, and, and I'm super happy that you are continuing to grow and you found a place that fits you and and is the place that hopefully will allow you to continue to grow. And I think maybe they expect that you're not going to be there forever, but you know what? They they also ex they hope and are going to challenge you and push you in a, in a way that you know you can continue to grow. Um, in any direction that you so choose, right? You, you get to decide that ultimately. Um, yeah, because I think, you know, it's 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 growth, right? It's not in one direction. I think people always think like, oh, well, you got to keep climbing, right? And it's like, well, maybe I, I climb to this next step in my professional career, but maybe I take a pause trying to climb that ladder Right. Maybe it's a lateral move as opposed to a, a strictly promotion. Or maybe I take some time and uh, now that I have a better job, I can travel and go visit a place that I've never visited. before. Uh, maybe I can, you know, start looking at things that I'm just interested in. Right. Maybe this allows me to save up enough money that I can restart. My small right. In the future, it's. It's, it's, you don't, it's not like uh, Luke Skywalker in, in Star Wars where it's like, uh, you know, eyes always on the future, never present. You got to focus on the present because you have responsibility. You have things you need to take care of. But that doesn't mean that you just can't keep that dream in, in your heart and in your head and and work and like you said think about it and start the planning and and 
because I think that's the fun part about life, right? Uh, is is the fact that once you reach one goal, then you start the next one because that gives you purpose. It gives your life meaning and 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 it's what's exciting. Model, thank you very much, sir. I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you carving some time out today and, and chatting with me and the audience and hopefully um, we can get to do this again one day. All right. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, have a, have a good one, man. Sir, thank you very much.